Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast, featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Soul Shine. That was unbelievable. Uh, wow. I got a... I'm like on a different wave than I thought I was going to be on when I started. So uh, my family and I just returned from Hawaii, as some of you might know. Last weekend, we got back from Hawaii. And on this trip to Hawaii, I discovered one of the best gifts, which I got for myself. It's one of the only things i found that gets better with age, other than a wine, and, and my wife, of course. <laughs> You know what it is? You know what this thing is? A belt that stretches. I got it on right now. Check it out. It's like a little Hawaiian belt, and it stretches. This is the best thing ever. Like, I can eat all I want. It's, it's like, so if you're looking for the gift for the guy who has everything, stretchy belt. Um, so... What, I'm standing in for Reverend Jane today. She's on a much-needed vacation, I think. And I wanted to share with you, uh, first of all, I'm a photographer. I've been a photographer, professional photographer, for 25-plus years. And over the course of being a photographer, I've become a photography teacher. I've traveled. I teach workshops. I've been to some of the most beautiful places in the world. And I've come to realize that God's real. Places, things that I've seen are just defy explanation sometimes. So, in, you know, in the course of my, my career, I've written books. I'm writing a new book. This is a, this, I'm not here to sell this book. This is for professional photographers, but if anybody wants to peek at it later just to see, it's about portrait photography. Uh, so I wrote this book a few years ago, and what was actually really funny, when the book first came out, uh, one of the first responses from a reader I got. This guy emailed me, you know, and I'm like, oh, yay, a response to my book. And he's like, hey, I just bought your book, and I started to read it, and then I put it away, and I'm not going to read it. I was like, what? And so I read further, and he said, well, you open up the book, and in the opening paragraphs, I start the book with, um, at the, in the beginning, God said, God, I wrote, God muttered, let there be light. And he was pissed that I said muttered. He said, God would never mutter, that is very disrespectful, I will not read the rest of your book. <laughs> and I was thinking, uttered, you know, like it just sort of, it just flowed, you utter something, you know, I didn't mean it disrespectfully, but then of course, we, second printing, we changed that word to uttered instead of muttered. But then it became a bestseller on Amazon, it got like the best in the uh, arts and photography category when it was released, so I figured, you know, too bad for him, he didn't get to read it. <laughs> <laughs> he had to mutter, yes. So that became my, my journey as a photographer, um, my understanding of imagery and how powerful imagery can be in prayer and combining the two together. So I'm going to show you some images in, in just a little bit here. But first of all, let me ask you guys, what does prayer mean as far as unity is concerned? What is what is prayer? Somebody, there's no wrong answer. You're not being graded. Affirmation. Affirmation. Speaking to God. Speaking to God. Communication. Communication. Connection. 
connection. Okay, so as, as far as unity is concerned, how do we like to pray? What's a, affirmative, positive, uh, it's already happened, right? We're visualizing. We talk a lot about visualizing, creating something in our minds, right? What's that? Pray it forward, yeah. So at, um, those of you might know, I've also started my divinity schooling this past week. It's my first week of classes. Ah! And I'm already overwhelmed with <laughs> three classes. I'm like, oh my God, what am I getting myself into here? Uh, but it's been fun. But one of the things I'm seeing in almost every context, every book that I'm reading that I'm doing is this overarching concept of prayer is simply picturing what you want to happen. It's a metaphysical law, the law of attraction, some of you have heard, you know, and it's in almost every religion. And you don't even have to be religious to be, a, be praying. You could be an atheist and you're just visualizing, I visualize there is no God. And well, for you, there will be no God and it doesn't really matter. But you're still praying. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, you're praying, right? <laughs> so I've realized through these things that what we visualize, what we hold in our minds the most is what we get, right? We, we receive what we pray for. What we hold in consciousness becomes our reality, in essence. So let me ask you this. How many of you have ever watched a movie, fictional movie, right? It's a made-up story, and you've cried like a baby? Yep. <laughs> Why? It's not true. Why are you crying? You connect, you relate, you can see yourself in that story, in that image, that picture. Those emotions, those movies, those things that make you cry, you remember, right? So we're, <laughs> we're flying back from Hawaii on the plane last week, and my family got separated. Like, all four of us were in all different places over there. So I'm sitting next to this other couple, older couple, and I, I'm watching a movie on my iPad. I was watching The Shack. Anybody watch The Shack yet? Yeah. So I'm watching The Shack, first time, headphones on, watching it, and I'm starting to just cry like a baby. And you ever, you ever sit next to somebody in the plane who has to talk to you, no matter what? <laughs> like Dave, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I'm watching the movie, headphones on, on my iPad, crying my eyes out, and this woman, you know, she looks over looks at my iPad, looks at me, you know, and out of the corner of my eye, I can feel her staring at me like she wants to talk. I'm like, <laughs> turn a little bit more. I'm watching more. She's, again, she'll look over, you know, kind of looking at me, and like I can feel her presence. And then finally she does, she actually starts talking to me in the middle of the movie. I'm crying, and she's like, those little computers are pretty neat, aren't they? <laughs> I was like, you know, pull up my thing. Yeah, it's an, it's an iPad, and I can load movies, and I'm like, and I'm watching this movie right now, you know? It's like, I have a computer, and I don't know, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Put it back in, finished watching my movie, and of course, when I was done with the movie, I talked to her, engaged her, and she was very sweet, but she was, we talked the entire rest of the trip home after that. So two hours movie, three hours talking to her, which, was, which I feel blessed for. <laughs> but... If I was to tell you about The Shack, if you had never seen it, and I said, hey, Lynn, I just saw this movie, and it's amazing, and this guy gets his heart torn out, but then he sees God, he understands God, and da-da-da, she'd be like, wow, that's moving. Where'd you get that belt? You know? Like, she's not going to be super 
crying right now in front of me, right? Then I say, Lynn reads the book. It's a good book, maybe. I haven't read the book. Right? It's much better than the movie. Thank you. I don't know how to read, so I haven't read the book, but I like movies. Uh, but you can read the book. You'll probably cry because the imagery it conjures up in your mind. But then you watch the movie, and you're probably going to even cry. If it's done well, like me, just cry uncontrollably. Why? Because there's story and emotion attached to this, 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 this imagery, right? And that's what we need to do, I think, when we pray. The most powerful form of memory is storytelling and people who tell these stories with emotion and attached emotion. And do you guys remember, I did a talk a little while ago about this study that a woman did where she had a memory that was false, the false memories, and she actually, as a scientist, did a test and actually found out that she could implant false memories in people by just telling them they had these memories, and they'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that, and I remember the, the guy was wearing this pink shirt, it was great, and people would actually create these false memories as if they were real because she had planted the seeds of that thought. So I think, wow, how powerful, how powerful is that? So my, one of my first experiences with a, nope. My first experience is understanding the power of the photographs. Years ago as a photographer, we do this thing in Bend called Family Photo Days in the park. So it's a charity event. We started 12, 15 years ago. And basically every year in October, I gather up some photographers and we go down to the Sawyer Park, not Sawyer Park, Pioneer Park, and we ask photographers to donate their time and we give family photos to needy families. So Habitat families, grandmother's house, whatever. And every year I get these wonderful families that come. And one year, years ago, I had this family come and they had a little girl with her, with them. And the little girl, I think she had Down syndrome, maybe she was about that big. And they sat on the grass across them with my big camera. And I'm trying to get her, you know, I'm trying to do everything, get the girl to smile. Hey, look at me, look at me. I've got a monkey. I've got a monkey. And I, I didn't really have a monkey. And I'm, I'm, look at me, smile. And the girl basically turned into her mom and buried her face in her chest and would not, she was like clenched and would not look at me. Would not, and the mom was like, honey, you got to look. We got, we're, we're here taking family pictures. You got to look. You got to look. And I'm like, hey, look at me. Da, 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 da. I'm doing something funny. You know, and she would not look. So finally, it just sort of hit me. I don't know what hit me. Pine cone, maybe. Fell out of a tree. <laughs> Put my camera down. I crawled across the grass to her, and I just sat there behind her. She had her back to me, and I said, hey, tell me about your day. What's your favorite animal? And within seconds, she let go of her mom, turned around, threw her arms around me, and gave me the biggest, best hug I've ever had in my life. And I just melted and she would not let go. She held on to me and held on to me and held on to me and it's one of those hugs where you're like, I think we're done now but I don't want to let go, you know? <laughs> and she just held it and held it and I, in that moment I realized that nothing is more important than connection. You know, you have an agenda, you have things you need to do, I had photographs I needed to make but there's nothing more important than making a connection with somebody first. And fortunately, one of the other photographers, this is a, there was a photographer there who took the picture at that moment and sent me the picture. So a few days later, I got this. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. I printed it out, 
and I stuck it on the wall in my office, and I've looked at it almost every day through my career, and it has helped me to pray and to focus on the power of connection. And I believe has made a significant difference in my success. I feel I've been very successful as a photographer and a teacher because of that. So there's some science behind all of this, okay? I actually have some facts and figures. Just because I know you guys aren't going to believe me if I don't throw some science in there, right? Okay, I got to put my... These are my science glasses. Okay, so this is, one of the things I'm going to talk about is the picture superiority effect. And this is a real thing. And there's been studies about it. And this is by uh, Jenkins, Neal, and Denno, which I have no idea who they are, but they sound really important. <laughs> picture, superior, picture superiority effect is that concepts are much more likely to be remembered experientially if they're presented in picture form than if they're presented in word form. Right? Pictures create more lasting memories and more easily recalled because of what's called the dual encoding theory. So here's the second part of that. The dual encoding theory means when you have words and pictures, so words that describe pictures, there's two sort of inputs into your brain and you remember it even more. Right? So you've got to have the words, the pictures, the stories to go with. Okay, there's a third little concept here, and this is uh, psychology and cognitive science is called a memory bias. And a memory bias is something that impairs your memory of an event or something by whatever, I mean, there's like a whole list of these memory biases, and we see this in, in uh, like witnesses and crimes and things like that. But one of the memory biases is um, that you perceive things either more dramatically than they actually happened or that you can actually believe things happened that never did happen, like in that study we just talked about. So I'm thinking, well, we can use this for good, not just evil. I mean, it's, it's a defect in our memories, but we can use it for good by simply saying, I remember that I'm successful. I remember that I'm totally in love with my family, my friends. I remember that I'm prosperous. And you create this memory that you soon start to believe because you repeat and encourage that. Okay, so science is out of the way. Now you know I'm telling the truth, right? So let me show you some images here. And what I want to do is to show you some images. I don't need my science glasses anymore. Huh? They're, yeah, they do go with the belt. And I wanted to share some of the stories behind them, but I want you to be thinking about creating your own story and how you can use these stories to give yourself some prayer for moments, okay? Let's start off with a fun one. This was one that I created for my book. And this was, the image ended up being called Face Your Fears. And it came to be that way because I had planned this, this whole complicated shoot. I rented a fog machine to go out in the forest and shoot these ninjas out in the forest. And the day of the shoot, the night of the shoot, well, first of all, on the fog machine that we rented, very expensive, it says in big, bold letters, do not get wet. Big, bold, exclamation point. So as we're getting ready to go do the shoot, it starts to pour rain, <laughs> pouring rain, and my assistants and everybody is like calling me, hey, Kevin, are we still going to go shoot this thing? We're out in the forest, in the middle of the forest, it's pouring rain. I was like, this scares me because I've got a lot riding on this, I've got people planned, I've got things rented. We're going to go. 
So I said, let's just go. So we drove out there to the forest, pouring rain, pull up, several trucks looking in the forest, and then just then, the rain stops, the clouds start to part, and this blue sky peers through, and we went out, we did the shoot, got it done, and as soon as we, I took that last shot, little sprinkles start to come back down. I'm like, let's wrap it up, and we left. And I look at this, and I always remember, face your fears. It reminds me that even when everything seems like it's in your way, you can overcome. Have faith. This is an image, I don't know if you can see very well there. Uh, I took in Italy years ago, and we were at this beautiful city, and there's a steep wall, and I walked to the edge of the wall, and Claire and I are standing there, and we argue about which city it is. We can't remember where it was. And I looked way over the edge, and I saw this monk walking down this path by himself there, solo on the path. And I had to get a picture, so I leaned over. I said, Claire, grab my legs. So she grabbed my legs, and I leaned over the edge there like that so I could take this picture to get it and frame it how I wanted it. And it became one of my favorites, which I called Walk of Faith. And mind you, at the time, which is funny, I look back at these, I've never, up until a year ago, considered myself even a spiritual person, never went to church, never did any of this prayer stuff, at least publicly. And, but I look back years ago in my past, and I was already feeling the spiritual something, you know? Um, so I look at this image now, my mom has this hanging on her wall, and I've got one in my studio. And it, it reminds me to have faith Walk the path, stay the path, even if you're the only one walking it. Which sometimes is what happens, right? When we were in Hawaii, we climbed up this mountain early in the morning, before coffee. And we were with some friends of ours, a woman and her teenage son, he's 19. And we got up to this point right at sunbreak, and we're looking out, and this amazing sunrise happens. And the teenage boy, nobody says anything, but he says, it's times like this when I believe there really is a God. We all just sort of sat there quietly and watched that sunrise. I knew that was a significant point for him in his life, you know, to be a teenager and admit, I see God right there, right now. And I remember that, and I always will remember that when I'm questioning whether I see God. This image was taken in Italy in a place called Matera, which is one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in the world. Eight, 9,000 years, 9,000 years, this place has been continually inhabited. It still is today. Unbelievable. And I got up early one morning, climbed to the top of this little lookout, usually on top of the churches, and there's this mist coming out in the morning, it's surrounding in the fog, and it, parts of the building were still showing through, and it just made me realize, thinking about 9,000 years, this city that I'm standing on has been here, and I'm just a little blip. And it made me realize how temporary I am, but also how I need to appreciate so much each little moment that I have that I'm significant that I'm part of this history that's being built this image was taken in Rwanda 
And you can look at it either a couple of ways. It can be happy or it can be sad. For me, it's very happy. This was a, we went to donate some money to a, uh, a woman who runs an orphanage, and she, we helped to build this little schoolhouse, one-room schoolhouse for these kids. And that's, that was their day, full of joy. When they ran up to go to school and to sit down on the rocks, they were so happy to be able to do that. And one of the things, my most powerful memories from this entire experience was Claire and I would go back to our hotel room after the, you know, being out for the day and photographing and working at the orphanage, and we would cry, be up and down, you know, all the experiences. And one of the things we said was, they don't have, we watched these women walking for miles to get water every morning, and we're like, man, if they only had running water. And then later on, I started to think, Look at them, how lucky they are. They're walking together, laughing and talking as a community to get water and spending that time as a family, as a community. How lucky they are. And it completely turned around the way we looked at that situation. So it reminds me now when I look at these images, not to have pity for them, but to appreciate what I might learn from somebody who I think we all think we should be pitying because they were the most joyful, amazing people I've, I've encountered in a long time. This was in Thailand. And Jim might appreciate this one. I, I was, uh, <laughs> got up early in the morning and I didn't really want to, but I was with my guide who were on motorcycles and he said, there's, there's this place we got to go at sunrise. I'm like, oh, was so tired from the ride the next day, but he, he said, let's get up at sunrise, I guess. We got before sunrise, rode our motorcycles, and the sun's already coming up, so we zoomed up this hill. We're riding much faster than we should have been riding up these windy roads to get to this point. And when we got there, I saw the most incredible sunrise uh, that I've ever seen. And there were a few people there down below, but we actually went up to a little part. We climbed up into the bushes, and I could shoot through the trees to see this and it was just this magical, magical moment. And when I look at that, my prayer, my message is, be the early bird. You know, sleep is overrated. <laughs> you know, make the effort. Find the beauty. Be there for the sunrise. Watch God come up every morning if he can. But make the effort. Don't, don't feel like you got to sleep in. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll Photoshop one in for you. <laughs> this image was taken in Italy years and years ago. Uh, one of my first workshops that I taught there. And what I loved about this image was there was a busload of us photographers. And we pulled up to this scene, and everybody's like, oh my God, look at that beautiful sunset, that scene, the valley of there. So we all jumped out of the bus, and literally on the edge of the road, we lined up shoulder to shoulder, and we're you know, taking this picture of this beautiful scene before us. And I'm thinking in my mind, all these pictures are going to look exactly the same. <laughs> How are we all, you know, I mean, we're literally shoulder to shoulder taking this same thing. And at the end of the workshop, we always have a slideshow, and we show our images, that we've, our favorite images, and several people had this scene, but they were all so different. Different croppings, different interpretations of the color. Some were black and white. Some only showed a little piece of it. Some were panoramic. I'm like, whoa, this blew me away 
that we could be shoulder to shoulder looking at the exact same thing and come out with completely indifferent interpretations. So you can imagine what I imagine is this is life. We can all look at the same thing right in front of us, have a completely different interpretation, and we're all right. Isn't that true? And yet, sometimes we always think our view is the only way, you know? You might think that's the only way you could ever see this scene, it's just like that. And yet, there's probably 10,000 different views of that same scene that are equally as beautiful. This is from Africa on a safari, and I remember, oh, I love elephants, <laughs> number one. And I remember walking out, walking, we didn't walk, we rode a Jeep out to this little watering hole and these elephants just came from everywhere, coming out of the bushes, it was like their hangout, hundreds of them. And we sat there and photographed them probably for two, three hours, just watching them. And I loved the way they all played with each other. And I saw this is family, this is what family is like. And I see my family in here, I see myself piled on my kids and Claire piled on my back and us all snuggling and playing and the elephants were just like that. And the juvenile elephants, the, the teenage boys would run around the edge and like, burr, burr, you know, and chase away the, the little leopards that would come over there and they'd stomp their feet and they'd run over here and the others would play and the little babies would just roll in the mud and throw stuff. And I watched that and it just, ah, oh, just warmed my heart to see this and to see that connection of family that is exactly what I want, exactly what I love about humans, people, you know? So I look at this and I always remember, this is a big picture on the wall in our house that makes me think of my family and the love that I want to express and share in my family. In one of our Italy workshops, I was taking photographers out and our guide, I told our guide, we need to feel the sunflowers because photographers always want to feel the sunflowers, <laughs> right? So I took, told the guy, we need to feel the sunflowers. So he drives us out, promising us to feel the sunflowers. And we get there and there's one sunflower in the entire field. There's one sunflower. And, and initially I'm like, oh, now what? But then we all get out. We start photographing this one sunflower. And I started to discover that there was this really interesting beauty in finding one sunflower in a field of green instead of a field of sunflowers. And what's really interesting is that over the years, I've gone back and I've photographed many, many fields full of sunflowers. And to me, I like this one better than any of the fields of sunflowers pictures that I have. And when I look at this, the prayer that I remember that I feel is the unexpected can be sometimes the most beautiful thing. What I was expecting, what I was hoping for was this field of sunflowers, and my disappointment turned into my favorite picture of sunflowers. And that's just like life, right? Your disappointment can actually be the best thing that ever happened to you sometimes. This is a lotus, and in, in, uh, several years ago I went to Cambodia to donate my photography services to an organization that prevents child trafficking. And we had been visiting little villages here and there, and it was kind of getting depressing, and we're driving through this dusty, dirty road out to another village, and everything's kind of, you know, just kind of dark and dead. And in the middle of this big field, it was just mud and dead stuff. Out of the corner of my eye in the van, I see something just glowing. And so I said, stop, stop the van, stop the van. So I stopped the van, get out, and I ran down 
tromped to the mud to the edge of this big muddy field. And in the middle of all this brown, there's this one lotus just glowing. It was gorgeous. And I sit there and photographed it probably for 20 minutes, you know, from all these different angles. And it was just amazing to me that here in this, this time when I was having this kind of this depression about what we were seeing, that I could find something so incredibly beautiful growing out of the mud in this field of just brown everywhere. And you can create your own story, your own prayer around that. This is a, uh, a church in Italy that's it's, um, an, it's no longer used, obviously, because the roof collapsed many years ago. But it's one of the most spiritual, peaceful places I've ever been. Because you, it's out in the middle of this field, nothing else really around it. And you walk in there and it's just quiet. There's birds cooing and fluttering as they fly above. And I use this image as a meditation because I can bring myself back to that place. I can hear my footsteps in the gravel as I walk through the floors of this church and I look up and I can see birds flying and I can hear their wings uh, and it brings me to that peaceful, peaceful place that I need to get to sometimes. This is uh, taken from the air from my drone. Um, when I went to search, my friend who recently she lost her son on this river and this was taken during the search as we were searching for him with my drone. And I have this image on my computer as a screensaver because it reminds me of, it was sort of a turning point for me really when I really felt closest to God and to death and to understanding death and to becoming okay with death, the idea of death. I had an amazing conversation with my friend who was searching with me and we sat, we were talking about drowning because that's what happened to the boy we we're looking for and we talked about drowning and he said, you know, I had a near-death experience drowning myself. I said, what? He said, yeah, I was waveboarding, got knocked on the head, went into the water, I was, and I woke up with them pounding on my chest, but he said, the experience that I had was this beautiful, long breath, tiny bubbles like tickling my whole body, and that I was just breathing forever, and that I did not want to wake up, I did not want to go anywhere, I just wanted to be here with these bubbles all around me in this beautiful, peaceful place. And then I was rudely awakened by somebody pounding on my chest and water being pushed out of my, my mouth. And he, so he sat there very calmly and said, I think he went very, very peacefully. I'm not afraid. And I sort of sat there and cried. <laughs> um, also, whenever I look at this up the river, uh, Claire and I have a practice whenever we go hiking. When we find a river or bridge, uh, we, we walk out onto it, we face down river, and we let go of all our fears, our worries, our concerns. Let it out. We turn around, face up river, and let the energy, the good vibes, the, the, the love come in. And that's just one of our things we just love to do when we cross water. And so this makes me think of how much I can take in from this experience. This is not what picked, this is a painting, it's not one that I took. 
you can obviously make your own, this is called the hand of God, but what was, why I put this in there is that right after this experience on the river, I went to go visit a friend of mine in Minnesota, and I was sort of telling them about the experience, and we were sort of praying together about this thing, and I looked up on his wall, and he had a big, giant print of this image on the wall, and, I'm, and I, it just hit me like, whoa, here's supposedly Jesus reaching his hand into the water to save you if you want to reach out and grab it. And, you know, again, I was not into the little Jesus thing very much at the time, but it was like, that's, wow, what a message to hit me at the perfect time when I just had this experience in the water. This is another church in Italy. I find, I love the churches just for their beauty, their construction, but whether you are Catholic or whatever, it doesn't really matter. I think that the spiritual quality of these places tends to be there. And I look at this image and I just think about stepping into that light. How can I step into the light, the pool of light that's calling me? Come sit right here. It's all you need to do is just step into that light. This is an image from uh, Hawaii. And what I loved about this was when I looked at this, these rocks in the foreground next to the ocean, I see a tiny world in itself. You guys see that? It's like there's a little ring island with an ocean in itself inside the bigger ocean. And it just fascinated me to see that within each world, there's another little world and maybe even a further one than that. You're like a little micro, what are those movies, the little things that get smaller and smaller? I can't remember what they call it. There's little worlds within every little world. This one I call a tree of life. This is in Africa. Maybe you can make your own story or memory about this scene. I won't tell you my story. I'll just let you imagine. Eric, what we're looking at is a beautiful sunset with this kind of scraggly looking tree all by itself with the sun peering through it. It's reflecting on the water. The sky, the sunset, the clouds are just gorgeous. And there's just a serenity to it that makes me feel like there's a source for everything. This is an image from Italy. And what I love about this is we're driving down the road, speeding on by, heading to our destination. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this scene right down this road. So we stop the bus get out, run back up the bus, get out, and we had an umbrella in the car, in the bus, so I give it to Claire. I said, Claire, take off down that road. So she went down, prancing down the road, and got this wonderful scene that I've always loved that we would have skipped right on by. I mean, there was a split second when I would have just ran right on by this. If I didn't say, bus stop, let's go back, we never would have caught it. And everybody, you know, all the photographers, of course, love this moment. We got some really cool shots, but it, it always reminds me to slow down take time to smell the roses. Cliché. I had to throw a cliché in there somewhere, right? <laughs> in Africa, these boys would make um, soccer balls out of rubbish. So they'd gather rubbish from around the village and roll it and tie it up with plants and make soccer balls. And they'd have the best time playing soccer 
with these rubbish balls that they made. And you could tell their smiles and their faces. They, they absolutely loved playing soccer with nothing, absolute nothing. And to me, that just completely made me look at, you know, the whole idea of privilege and having to buy more, need more, get more in order to be happy. We don't. It reminds me we can be happy with friends and rubbish. <laughs> uh, what am I, I'm getting close to my very favorite memories. So I went to Bolivia and we had a small group before our workshop, my son and a couple of photographers, and we went to the salt flats in Uyuni. I don't know if you heard about this place, but it's the largest salt flat in the world. You can see it from outer space. It's so gigantic. And when it rains, there's this thin layer of water that covers the entire miles and miles and miles of the salt flat that causes this little re reflections of everything. So we were on our way out there, and our guides that we had hired said, oh, we're going to go have lunch before we go out to, the, you know, to photograph and I'm going to take you to the most beautiful restaurant in the world. I'm like, all right, sounds good. And we're, I mean, the place is not fancy out there. The village is run down. It's pretty nasty, actually. But we started driving out there, and we parked, and we're sitting there looking at this view going, wow. And then they start unloading the table, the chairs, food, and they set up this picnic for us. And basically, me and my son and my friends, my best friends, we sat there, and we had lunch served to us in heaven, basically on the salt flat, no one else in sight for miles. And it truly was the most beautiful restaurant in the world, the most beautiful lunch I've ever had, and one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. This is my son. Your sunset out there on the flats, on the salt flats. So that's all, there's a one inch of water all the way out for as far as you can see. And I look at this image and it reminds me that heaven is here on earth. We felt like we were in heaven there at this precise moment. Yeah. And one of the last couple of images I want to share with you, because I think it's really important to remember, is have fun. <laughs> This is a shot I did for a bride, and we did quite an extent. This is at Smith Rock State Park, actually. And uh, she had her trainer, she's a professional boxer, and her trainer actually agreed to set up a, a regulation boxing ring in Smith Rock parking lot. So we got permits for that. That was his wedding present to her. And we went out there and did photos of her and her husband, or future husband. I don't know if they, she punched him out, so maybe they didn't get married. <laughs> but I love this because it reminds me to have fun. Reminds me to kick ass <laughs> when I can and to kick ass with love. You know? And I, I love images that make me laugh, that make me smile, that move me. And I photograph not what I see, but what I feel. And I think that's really important. And this is something that you guys can do. Find a photograph. Find an image. Maybe it's one of yours. Maybe it's one you download from the internet. But find images that make you feel something and print them out. This is important. That's the important part. You need to print them out, put them where you're going to look at them all the time. It could be a Costco print or whatever. And use that as your, your fuel for your prayers each day. You just need a few images and they can change your life. If you focus on those images, those memories will never fade. Just like this one never fades. 
<laughs> I didn't tell Claire I was going to put that one there. That was, high, that was a senior prom. <laughs> 1985 or something like that for Claire's senior prom. And uh, apple juice, yes, we're having apple juice. And uh, that, you know, very simple. That just reminds me that uh, love is worth working for. It always is, always will be.